Behind the Christmas Hits with Drew Savage. Rolling Stone declared Darlene Love's Christmas Baby Please Come Home the greatest rock and roll Christmas song ever. And who better to walk through the story of this song than the artist who made it famous? The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Darlene Love joins us for this episode of Behind the Christmas Hits. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's good to be here. Actually, in the recording studio with Philip, we were actually doing the Christmas album. And he said, uh, I know you have a lot of Christmas songs that you like, especially coming from church, because we do a lot of Christmas shows in our in our churches. And uh, he let me pick the ones I wanted to sing, and I picked them all, and I thought I was done, you know, after uh, Silent Night and, and, and uh, Walking in a Winter Wonderland. And, and I said, then he said, oh, but we have one more to do, and it's being written right now. And I went... What do you mean it's being written right now? He said, it's an original Christmas song. And I went, Philip, nobody is going to like an original Christmas song. Because I just figured, you know, they have, when is the last time anybody recorded a, a original Christmas song? Especially on a Christmas album that has all the old Christmas songs on it. So Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Berry were writing this song while we were in the studio. And I learned the song that very day we recorded it. Wow. <laughs> so because it was the only original on the album, were there, were there big expectations for it or not so much? I think so. In Phil Spector's mind, it was. Yeah. And by the time we finished recording it, it was in all of our minds, all the musicians and the background singers and myself. Well, this turned out pretty good. You know what? This might have a chance because... Well, when Phil gets together with the band and with the singers, he gives them an arrangement, and then everybody picks it apart. You know, they put their own little things in it, like Leon Russell with the piano parts, and um, uh, Glenn Campbell with the guitar, and and, uh, the other guys. You know, they just put their little stick into it, and, and, and our drummer, you know, it was wonderful. And by the time they finished the song, I think we were just in the studio actually doing the music for a few hours. I would say five or six hours just putting the music together for the song. Do you feel like you put your stick into it a little bit? Like, what was the twist that oh, you yeah. added to it? Oh, yeah. I had time to really learn the song after that. When everybody <laughs> was rehearsing, I was rehearsing, too. <laughs> so the first time you sang it, was there an instant connection with it, or did it grow over time? It actually grew over time, because I was a little leery about doing a original song. Mm-hmm you know, uh, at Christmas time, uh, and who was going to listen to it? Everybody wants to sing Silent Night and Frosty the Snowman and all the, the original Christmas songs. And uh, I was a little apprehensive, but actually in the recording studio, when we were recording the song, that's when I went, you know what, this sounds like a really great song. And, let's, and me still saying, you know, I hope it's a great song that everybody, you know, will listen to. I just didn't know they were going to still be listening to it 50 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Cher sings backing vocals on this song, does she not? Yes, she does. Wow. We Phil kept kept one. We had about seven or eight background singers at the time, and Cher was in the studio with us. By then, I knew Cher pretty well. Mm -hmm. 
Phil said, Cher, I know you can sing. Come on out there and help the, help the singer sing. Because he just kept adding singers. He even added Sonny Bono. With, and he couldn't sing, but he wanted, <laughs> so, he wanted more singers. And, but this was after we had been singing the song for a while. You know, we had put background parts on it already, you know, with our singers, our professional singers that we knew could sing. We had put it on, and, and Phil kept adding more people to it. Like he added Sonny and he added Cher. With Cher's voice on it, I tell everybody all the time, if you really listen to it, you can tell Cher is singing in the background. She recorded her own version of Christmas Baby, Please Come Home with Rosie O'Donnell years later. I want to talk a little bit about cover versions in a, in a moment, but I want to stay in 1963 for just another couple of moments. Um, okay. So the hope was that it was, it was going to be a hit right out of the gate, but it, it didn't exactly work out that way for the song. It wasn't like a smash number one hit instantly, was it? No, it wasn't at all. It took a few years, as a matter of fact. Uh, I have November 22nd, 1963 listed as the release date. That's the same day JFK. The release date, right. And yeah. we, and uh, you probably know that it was, that was supposed to be the release date, but because of uh, John Kennedy being assassinated, Phil Spector didn't think anybody would want to listen to Christmas music during that time. And I actually told him, I think people would really want to listen to something that is uplifting at Christmas time rather than dwell on, you know, the assassination. Mm -hmm. But he did not agree. Not that I thought he was going to agree with me, but um, he waited a whole year to put the record out. And it was such a buzz at the time that Phil Spector was getting ready to put out a rock and roll Christmas album because... Nobody had put out a Christmas rock and roll album yet. There were singles, but there wasn't an album. Was it the year in between that you went back into the studio with Phil and recorded another version of the song that I don't think many people know? It was called Johnny Baby, Please Come Home. Yes, it it was. was. He had Ellie and Jeff to write a song, and we went back into the studio and called. He thought the track was so great and that, even if uh, Christmas Baby wasn't successful, he thought maybe Johnny Baby would be a uh, better would be a hit song. But it, it actually, while we were all recording it, you know, I sung just to the track. I didn't they didn't make a new track. We went in and put that that version uh, a song that we could have out all the time, not just at Christmas time. And it just fell flat on his face. I don't know if anybody ever played it. <laughs> It's on YouTube. If you look uh, long enough for it, you can <laughs> you can find it. So you weren't in that. Wow, that's you- probably the only way I'm going to hear it because I don't even remember where where that song is. <laughs> so if it wasn't a, a big hit right out of the gate, like say Bing Crosby's "White Christmas" was enormous right away. Was it the right. what it, it is? Christmas baby, please come home is so iconic now. Is right. it was it the run on Letterman? What do you think it was that made it? become take it from being you know a great song on a on a great album to it being an iconic christmas song i really do that's what that believe that's what happened we were doing a show called leader of the pack at a nightclub uh the bottom line in new york city and paul schaefer was playing phil Spector, and uh he invited david letterman down to see the show and um a lot of fans already knew, you know, Christmas Baby, but not a lot of people, you know, were really listening to that song. And uh, after he invited uh, David Letterman down to see the show, that exactly night on the show, he said, that is the greatest Christmas song I've ever heard. 
we need to have her on my TV show and let her sing this song, which I thought was only going to be one time. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being 27 years of singing that one song on that show. I do think that helped it. <laughs> the first year, I mean, I'm sure I'm, that would have been fun to do. When did it become apparent that this was going to become an annual tradition? Like, were you surprised the second year that they called back and said, hey, can you do it again? When did you know this was going to be an annual thing? I was, I was really surprised that they called and said, that, that Well, what happened, David always does something at Christmas time, but it was always something different. It wasn't the same thing every year until Christmas Baby Please Come Home. And David decided if we do another Christmas show, she's going to have to sing Christmas Baby Please Come Home. I thought maybe one or two years, but I had no idea that we would be doing it for 28 <laughs> years. We did it until the show went off the air. Yeah, 1986 <laughs> until he wrapped it up, uh, I think, in, what, 2015 or something like that. Yes, 2015, and, right. And your performance kept getting bigger and bigger, too. The first year, it's you, Paul, and the other three guys <laughs> in the band. And they were singing and playing. Yeah. That's how big it was. And, and, and then flash forward, you've got massive orchestras. You've got sax players on zip lines into the studio in Santa suits. You're climbing on they top of pianos. Had to move David Letterman out of the, the studio, his desk and everything else, when we did it for the last year, because we took over the whole stage. <laughs> so would you, would you and Paul Schaefer brainstorm these ideas, or how did that all go? No, that was all Paul. That was all Paul. He would just have me to come and sing to see if the, if the key was right over the years. You know, we've had to change the key a few times. And, uh, but I, I, he let me choose the singers who I would want to be on the, on the show with me, which was always a lot of fun. But the band became regulars because they all wanted to be on the show. It wasn't like... You know, those were the same guys because Paul wanted to change when he added new musicians. But those guys regularly would call and say, hey, when y'all doing the show? I got my schedule clear. (laughs) (laughs) It became a reunion (laughs) of a sort. Everybody that that did that show, at least over half of the, especially the singers, was on that show from beginning to end. Christmas baby. I I wanted to see if this was true. I read somewhere that during your final performance, so you're on Letterman for 28 years, it takes this song that you recorded originally into like the stratosphere of iconic Christmas songs, this run on the show. And it's the last year for Letterman and you know he's winding it up and you know it's the last year you're going to be singing it on the show. How emotional was that for you? Because I, I read that you stayed on top of the piano when Dave came out to thank you because you didn't want to cry if he hugged you. Is, 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 that, is that true, or how were you feeling on that last show? That's probably, uh, that, that, that is true, and uh, it was good I didn't come down because it, not only was it very emotional no, for me, but it was emotional for everybody that was there because here we are now, gonna, never going to sing this song again on this show, mm-hmm. and we've been here for 28 years doing it. And when I tell you, they used to, uh, they didn't sell tickets, but people would write in for tickets and people would get tickets. But when it came to that song and that show, they would sell out long before people would put their order in for that show, long before that show was coming. Yeah, actually, you've been involved in other recordings of the song. You sang on U2's version for the Yes, they asked me to do all the background. I mean, all parts, all the harmony parts. I said, oh, well, I got, I got singers, you know, that can sing. He said, no, 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 we'd like for you to do the whole thing. And I went, 
Okay. Are you the only singer who has ever recorded with both Bono and Elvis Presley? Uh, I'm not sure over the years. And, I can't say for I, sure. Yeah, and Bruce Springsteen. It's got to be a short list, Darlene. It's got to be a real short list. If there's any I'm other sure names it on it, it's I'm short. I'm sure it's very short. Uh, many artists. So you 2 has covered the song. Mariah Carey has done Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. Michael Bublé, Cher, Lady A. Do you ever Which listen? Which was wonderful, especially with Michael, because the night I, I, my phone, phone rang over the, off the hook that night. He sung it on his special. They said he was saying, I hope I do this this song justice, Miss Love. I said, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever listen to the other versions of the song, or can you? Oh, I have. Oh, I have. And I, I listen, and I'm, I'm not judgmental when I listen. I just, oh, well, that's great. And uh, Mariah Carey did such a wonderful version of it. I always did love her version. But I can't listen and judge. Everybody has a way of singing, the only way they're singing. I know they weren't singing it. To, to be like my version, what I, how I sang it. Uh, but everybody that, that d- did record it did their own version of it, and I thought it was great. Rolling Stone ranked Christmas Baby Please Come Home as the number one rock and roll Christmas song of all time. It continues to grow in popularity. Earlier this year, January 2021, it reached its all-time highest chart position on the Billboard Hot 100, peaking at number 19. You outranked Justin Bieber and Dua Lipa's latest hits that week. Wasn't that great? (laughs) (laughs) I got more fun out of that than anything. (laughs) The song's over 50 years old. (laughs) Well, I get goosebumps every time I hear you sing it live. Darlene Love, Rock and Roll (laughs) Hall of Famer, thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Thanks so much for listening. There are so many more fun, festive, and surprising stories behind the Christmas hits. Hit subscribe, and we'll see you next time with more.